politicians are the virus. Yeah, man, maybe I am dumb. You think you're free? You think you're free just because you can't see the cage they keep you in? Fauci jerked off a pangolin, and now we all have COVID. It's us against them, guys. Get out there and spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Welcome to the Dad Presents. You guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, man, did you guys catch the last show we did with Dr. Peter McCullough? Amazing. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out, download it, listen to it. 50,000 of you listened to it. Thank you so much. Now, that's just a teensy, weensy bit less than the amount of people who saw the same doctor on Joe Rogan. I think he got something like 60 million. So, you know, 50,000. We're getting there. Point is, thank you. I appreciate you guys listening. Please share it with a friend, share it with a family member, help us grow, help us feed my babies. But thanks for watching. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are waking up out there and getting with the program because Dr. McCullough revealed some truth bombs about Pfizer and it set Twitter ablaze. He was trending. This show was actually trending on Twitter for about an hour, which was amazing. Um, we got a great guest today, an amazing guest. His name is John Bush from Free the Children Homeschool Summit. Now, the bride and I, we've been thinking about homeschooling for a long time. Ever since the pandemic started, we've been thinking about it. And after you listen to today's show, you're going to be thinking about it too. And if you check out the show notes, just uh, scroll down there. If you're on Spotify or Apple or YouTube or whatever, you're going to see a link where for free, you can sign up for his webinar to teach you all about homeschooling and your options and how people like you and me, people with full-time jobs where their wives work, how you can afford it and get the time. We're really thinking about doing it. Now, coming next week, we have on the huge pianist, the huge pianist. That's right. Owen Benjamin, guys, if you don't know who he is. He was pretty much the first comedian I remember being canceled. He got canceled even before Louis C.K. What was he canceled for? Was he jerking off in front of women? No. Was he saying racist things? No. He was canceled for being conservative. As far as I can tell, that was the reason. So instead of fighting back, he packed up his bags in Hollywood and he said, fuck y'all. Bye bye. He headed north and he's been up there building. He bought a shit ton of land and he's been building like his own like log cabin community. It's amazing. He's going to be on next week to tell us about it. It's kind of like, he calls it Bertaria. And it's a little bit like the cult that I'm going to start building soon. Once we get this audience size up, up into six fingers, that's when I move North and I start my cult and I invite y'all in. Just remember the price of admission is one wifey or a skill. One of those two things. That's all you got to do. Now, guys, again, wherever you are listening, whether it be Apple or Spotify at The Dad Presents, or maybe you're checking me out on YouTube at Super Bad Dad, just please make sure you share this show. Help me feed them babies. Spread the word. We got good stuff here. Uh, before we get into the interview, let's catch up. How was your weekend? Mine was super solid. I had a good weekend. They're always good with family, you know, in summers in California, as much as I bitch about California, it's the place to be. Kids were surfing, had a great time. Unfortunately, I could not go surfing with them because I spent my whole weekend washing money. 
That's right. Spent my weekend washing money. And I don't mean in the fun way, like I'm a Mexican drug dealer and I got to wash my money so I can deposit it into an American bank. No, it's not what I mean. I mean, I was literally on my hands and knees scrubbing money to get it clean, drying it with a blow dryer and then ironing it out. Why? Well, because in 2005, I, I've been on to the, the government's game for a long time. And I've known inflation has always been here, but that it was about to get very bad. So in 2005, I took a bunch of my US dollars. And at the time, I don't think Bitcoin existed yet. I bought gold and silver and other precious metals and a bunch of foreign currencies that I thought might stand the test of time. I took all that stuff and I hid it in a storage locker thinking I was being all clever. But then guess what happened? I'm not that clever. I put the shit on the floor. Somehow the storage facility got a little bit flooded in a rain and uh, the money got super wet. And when money gets wet, the stink of it attracts like bacteria and bugs and flies. And they all got all in there and just made a nasty, stinky mess of this money. I went back this weekend for the first time in a decade to snatch it up because I want to sell it all to buy Bitcoin because Bitcoin's on sale right now, guys. I know you're probably scared off the Bitcoin market right now, but in my opinion, not financial advice, now's the time to buy because in a market like this, in a bear market, when things are bad, that's when thousandaires set themselves up to become millionaires and when millionaires make the kind of decisions that set them up for generational wealth. So that's what I'm trying to do. I go to the facility. I pick up the money. Ew, it's wet. It's stinky. It's a little bit rotten. few of these dollar bills I got to throw away. So yeah, hold on. This is it. You see it? All kinds of this shit. Spent all weekend literally washing it in this office. Now my office, my office slash studio, it smells like poop. I'm, uh, and I'm not using that term lightly. It actually smells like poop. My wife walked in here and said, ooh, it smells like poop. Kids walk in, ooh, it smells like poop. They're walking around my studio looking for Becky poop. No, it's just this dirty ass money. So if you guys do something like that, if you ever try to store money, I don't know, do it at a lockbox at a bank. I didn't do that because I don't trust anybody. And I don't trust the banks to stay open. So I just put it where I had the most control over it. Anyway, doesn't matter. Not financial advice at all. Mm, excuse me, just burp. So what else is up? Um, you guys might not notice. Look at my beautiful nose. You can't see the scar no more. Why can't you see the scar? Because I'm wearing makeup. That's right. I'm wearing makeup. The doctor advised me to keep the wound out of the sun all summer long so that it will properly heal. So I got some SPF makeup on there. You can't see the scar. It's beautiful. Guys, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm a manly man and I'm not afraid to do what I got to do. I'll put on some makeup. I'll put on a grass skirt and go out and have a good time with the girls with my coconut titties. And then the next day I'll go out and shoot a boar in the face. I don't care. Just be genuinely you. And the interesting thing that I learned in my first ever makeup buying experience, if you can see the makeup right here, you probably can't see those words, but it says, honey, my skin color apparently is honey. I, I got, you know, all my friends out here in California, there's very few white people left in California. They don't like the whites out here. Okay. So most of my friends are Mexican, Asian, black, whatever. And they love to make jokes about my white skin. I just learned 
my skin ain't white. So suck it, Blackies, Asians, and Mexicans who think you're my friends and make fun of my white skin. It's not white skin. It's honey. And I love the sound of that. All right. A word from our sponsor. Then we're getting to the show. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad. Guys, if you don't have a VPN blocker by now, you must be a Democrat. Are you a Democrat? Are you a lefty? Are you? Do you like the government up in your business? Do you like them knowing everywhere you go on the internet? Do you trust Google? You want them knowing where you're going? Do you like that when you go on Instagram, you see ads just coming at you at light speed and usually they're things you just talked about or or something you searched on Google? No, you don't like that. You want your privacy. You want your privacy. So you need a VPN blocker to get your privacy. ExpressVPN.com slash the dad is going to give you three free months of privacy. You don't pay till the fourth month. Is there a better deal out there? ExpressVPN.com slash the dad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo this ad one of these days and make it into one of those catchy jingles like 1877 cars for kids. Good. You know, one of those, I don't want to give them free advertising, but something like that, where it's like an earworm, it gets in your head and you can't get it out. And then I'll be making that bank. We're doing all right, though, people. We're doing okay. Okay, let's start the show. All right, guys, we are on today with John Bush. He's the founder of Free the Children Homeschool Summit. He's hosting a program and a workshop to help parents transition their children out of our poisonous government schools and into homeschool. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, So to start off right off the bat, um, I think a lot of parents started thinking about this homeschooling stuff. I know we did during the pandemic. We're here in California and it it was a mess out here. Um, I learned a couple things about the government schools. Number one, they don't care about our kids. They shut down the schools for a whole year, mostly for political gain. Um, and then when they sent them back, they kept them in masks. And number two, their curriculums, which we were pretty much, you know, in the dark about until a year of zoom school, we, we got to see the curriculums and they're, they're worthless. They're like below my kids intelligence level, you know, stuff that they should have been learning years ago. And a lot of it is just like woke nonsense. Can government schools be fixed? And should we even try? Well, I consider myself a, uh, a proponent of decentralized, voluntary institutions awesome. in all areas of life, government schools included. So I gave up on politics many, many years ago. And I think if people want to change things, the best thing they could do is take responsibility for changing those things, take it into their own hands. And so the same goes with government schools. No, I, I think the government schools are operating exactly as they were designed to. And many years ago, when they first started in the U.S., uh, the intention was not to create bright, critical thinking, free human beings that challenge authority and question things. It was to create docile, obedient factory workers and citizens that um never would rebel. And essentially that's, that's what we got with many, many people. So no, I don't think it's worth trying to save them. And in fact, I think that it would be, 
the, this country and the culture would be better off if government schools were to go away. There's so many viable alternatives, and a lot of those alternatives are flourishing now. There's a lot of experimentation going on. It's really cool to see the decentralization of education because that's how it should be. Yeah. Well, I mean, myself and probably all of our audience are 100% with you on decentralization. Like, it, if you haven't learned the lesson, in these past couple of years that we need to decentralize as much of this country as we can, then, then you're not, you're not thinking clearly, you're not paying attention. It's interesting that you said that schools, you don't think they're trying to create smart, independent thinkers. I think so as well. And I, I learned something recently during the pandemic that the word school originates from the, I, I believe it was the Ottoman empire. Um, they were at war for a very long time and they had uh, trouble getting young men to enlist and go fight these wars. So they created the first government schools to like indoctrinate these kids and get them to be willing to go fight their wars. And our schools are still just filled with massive propaganda and a lot of untrue stuff. Like one example I can think of from when I was a kid is they were teaching us that um, food pyramid, right? The food pyramid where you're supposed to have four servings of grain and only one servings of meat and vegetables. They knew that was wrong. That came out about because uh, we were in a massive inflationary period in the 70s and meat was very expensive and grains were very cheap and the corn lobby was very involved in in lobbying government. So that's they were teaching us something they knew was wrong at that time. Yeah, yeah. The food pyramid is a great big scam and it has more to do with government subsidies and industries than it is as what's healthy. I mean, the Department of Education, Health and Human Services, the FDA, the CDC, it's all one big scam. And thankfully, after COVID, I think a lot more people are waking up to that fact. And so now what I try to encourage folks to do is to focus on solutions and, and building, exiting those systems that we know to be a scam, highly corrupt, highly centralized, and building the alternatives so future generations have a better shot at thriving uh, than we do. Right. Um, another thing I also recently learned is that there's like 5 million kids right now in homeschool. I never, I never would have guessed that in a million years that the number was that high. Uh, the media acts like it's a bunch of fringe lunatics. 5 million is, is not fringe. And I believe if more parents felt comfortable with it and felt like they could do it, um, it would be double or triple that number. Like I think it appeals to a lot of parents, but they think it's impossible. So why don't we talk about a lot, a few of the hurdles and how you get over them and how your program is going to help. So I guess the, the first obvious one is the cost. Like my wife and I, we both are fully employed. Um, I saw in the intro video from, from your website that the creator of this at times was also full-time employed, yet she still homeschooled her kids. So how, how do you get over the cost when you're when you need to work full time so you can't educate your kids yourself sure well homeschooling takes on all sorts of different forms and we're going to be exploring a lot of different modalities and methodologies during the summit uh, that we're doing on the 14th and it's going to be co-hosted with bluebird stacy bluebird solarizano who's going to be my co-host and she's also going to be teaching the workshop we're doing a couple weeks later mm -hmm. and so you know it doesn't have to be the parent is holding the hand of the child the entire time. And it's this long drawn out thing at the kitchen table. There's all sorts of different ways. And it all depends, of course, on the age of the child. When kids get older, oftentimes their learning and their education become self-directed. You just have to check in on them. 
But there's this new phenomenon that really popped off. It's actually an old phenomenon, but it's returning of this homeschool pod or this co-op or micro school. So I'm a strong proponent of uh, the idea that it takes a village in so many different walks of life and areas of life. And one of them, of course, is homeschooling. So for parents that are working full-time and it may be a challenge, you can find a group of other like-minded families, come together, try to come up with a plan. Maybe it's this household takes lead on the kids on Monday and Wednesday, this household on Tuesday and Thursday. Everyone gets together on Friday for the social. Maybe there's some of the parents that stay at home or that don't work, so they can take a heavier influence. And then the families that are working, maybe they could uh, buy some of the curriculum or some of the resources as a trade-off, right? So it can take all sorts of different forms. But I think the important thing is if somebody really strongly desires it, there's a will, there's a way, right? So first, we've got to understand the ills of government school, why they're not serving our kiddos anymore, and then why there's how there's viable alternatives and what those alternatives are. And then once you're really lined up with that, if someone wants to make it happen, there's definitely solutions. And sometimes you got to get creative. And of course, it's not going to be easy. A lot of this stuff is quite the challenge. I homeschool my two kiddos. They do a two-day homeschool co-op with a little okay. third program, but it's hard and it's definitely not easy. But if people want it that bad, then they can figure out a way to make it happen. Okay. So getting creative and figuring out ways, that's something that you're going to try to help people with in this workshop. So tell, tell people where they can, they can go for this. How do they yeah, find so we got workshop? you? Yeah, we got you a link for the summit. We're doing a free summit. That's July 14th at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, it's going to be 11 to 4 p.m. We just booked Ron Paul to present. Of oh, course, awesome. he has the Ron Paul curriculum, and he wrote this awesome book called The School Revolution back in 2013. He's going to be speaking. Uh, Jack Spirico, The Survival Podcast, he homeschools his two kiddos. We're going to hear from Carrie McDonald. She's with the Foundation for Economic Education. Excited to have her. Pam Popper also did a lot of pushing back on all the mandates and stuff. And she's a huge proponent of homeschooling. We're going to hear from some unschool families as well. That's more of a child-led learning, more of a uh, freedom-based without like a rigid curriculum. And so the summit, we really want to educate parents about the dangers of government school, all this weird woke stuff, all this propaganda that's being taught. And then uh, we want to provide solutions and alternatives talk about private schools talk about homeschooling and unschooling so that summit's completely free i hope your audience will register i think you'll have a link there in the show notes and then two weeks after we're going to be doing a in-depth workshop that'll be more teaching and training and teaching the parents uh, the skills and the knowledge that they need in order to uh, homeschool their kiddos and it's going to be really it's going to be really customized the approach that we're taking. So we want to help parents narrow down what their educational philosophy is. If they have one, maybe they don't, maybe they never really thought about it. And then once they determine what it is and how they want to teach their kiddos and what it is they want to be taught, we're going to help them to build a strategy on top of that because it's not a one size fits all approach like it is in the government schools. That's one of the reasons why it's such a challenge. The Mm -hmm. kids that are excelling get pulled down the kids that are behind or struggling get left behind and everything's trying to, they try to average everything out, make everyone the same, like conformity and uh, homeschooling is the exact opposite. And so we're going to teach this course in a way that empowers the parent to take ownership, take the initiative and create a custom education plan for their kiddos. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, yeah you had me at Ron Paul. We had Ron Paul <laughs> on the show and he's, yeah, I saw that he's one of my favorite people and he's, you know, if, if you want to understand what Liberty is about, go check out Ron Paul's show, go read some of Ron Paul's books. 
Um, if, if he's into this, I'm into it. The audience will be into it. So yeah, check the show notes. Let's talk about some more concerns that parents definitely have though, but concerns that, that I even have, right? Sure, um, sure. Here's another one you hear a lot. Like if your kids are home, home, homeschool kids are weird. They don't know how to socialize. Uh, how do you respond to that? How do you get around that? Well, one thing I think it's better to be weird than normal these days because normal is not ideal or optimal in the least bit. Um, but there's all sorts of opportunities for socializing and uh, there's all sorts of homeschool pods, homeschool co-ops. Even if you live in a decent sized city, there's like homeschool dances, homeschool daddy daughter days and stuff like that. Oh, okay. There's all sorts of cool things. There's hobbies so between that like, in. like there's different co-ops that join together to make a larger thing. And then you can have those kind of activities. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or parents can get together with different groups and different uh, hobby groups. The kiddos can play baseball. My daughter's in dance, for example, trying to get my son to do 4-H because he's way into livestock and growing food and all that stuff. Well, okay. So let's let's slow down there because that's important because sports are hugely important uh, for kids. I, uh, the lessons they learn in sports are sometimes equal to what they learn in school. How are they, how are they doing sports if they're not part of the public school system? Do you guys get them in leagues in the public school system or are you like creating your own leagues? Well, I mean, some parents, if they have want to take the initiative, can create their own little softball or baseball league. But in most areas, there's little optimists in youth sports that are entirely outside of the government school system. So, of course, in government school, they make it easy. You got the baseball and the football season, and you can work your way up all the way through middle school and high school, maybe get a scholarship. But that same thing can happen outside of the school as well. Um, my sister, for example, her kiddos are in government school, but most of the athletics that they do is in, on select teams and on privately organized baseball optimists and, and groups like that. So there's all sorts okay. of opportunities. And then again, sometimes the parents may need to take the initiative if there's not an existing ecosystem. But in Austin, Texas, for example, we live just east of Austin, more of a rural town. I was born and raised in Austin, though. There's a thriving homeschool community, all sorts of different walks of life, traditional, hippie, all sorts of different styles and stuff. So in major cities, chances are there's all sorts of groups that are already at play. That's where they do the big homeschool dance and stuff. So, and then another thing, when it comes to government school, it's not natural to socialize the kids all in one age group. You know, that's not a natural phenomenon that we experience in the world. It's not how other animals yeah. are raised. So there's definitely you know, a lot of value. I, I was actually think that's, that was a question I wanted to ask you about age groups. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask him that because I answered it logically for myself. I'm like, when I go to work, I'm surrounded by people of all ages. Why, why do I want my kids only exposed to kids who are the same age as them? That's not, that's not the real life. And that's not how we learn best. You learn from people older than you, you learn from people younger than you. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, I think that's a benefit more than a drawback. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And when there's older kids around, you can learn from them. When there's younger kids around, you can take on more of a leadership role. And of course, teaching is a great way to learn and really solidify information as well. Mm. And then nowadays, I mean, I guess it's the same way when I was in school, but it seems like there's all sorts of yucky, ugly stuff going on in government schools. And there's a lot of bullying. And then there's kids that get bullied so far that they end up lashing out and doing crazy extreme things. So um, I would argue that maybe the socialization isn't optimal the way that it's done in government schools. And whenever you're homeschooling or private school or unschooling, you're able to surround your children with other children and families that may be on the same wavelength or maybe value freedom uh, more than most other people do. Yeah, great. Okay, so let me, uh, another concern. Um, I, I went to college. I don't think I would send my 
kids to college just because of the amount of debt I was saddled with and the amount of time it took me to pay off that debt and really make it financially worth it. I would send my kid if they like wanted to be a doctor or something where they, where they needed that degree to do the thing. Um, I think a lot of homeschoolers probably feel that way, but let's say you do want to send your kid to college. Um, are colleges less likely to accept a homeschool kid than a public school kid? Well, you know, I think nowadays, as you pointed out, the college degree isn't worth what it used to be. But if that's the path that some families want to take, there are programs that'll help the homeschool kids make sure that they're dotting all the I's and crossing the T's, going to get their high school uh, GED or diploma equivalency, and then taking those tests to get the standardized tests and to get the SAT and all that stuff to get into colleges as well. There's also a lot of homeschool kids that are able to enter college at a younger age than their counterparts in the government schools. Uh, I have a friend that actually does a program. He helps to consult families that want to get their homeschooled kids into Ivy League colleges. So there's a path. And again, really what benefits children is when they stand out. So if you have a kid that was homeschooled and that was really serious about it and got very educated on an intellectual level, that actually may play to their favor compared to all of the other transcripts and everything else that's very similar, right? So they'll stand out and uh, that could actually be make a difference and they could be seen as exceptional. Hmm. That makes sense. That's logical. But these colleges aren't very logical. They're, and, <laughs> and we know they're all run by leftists. And I, th- I feel like leftists have it out for the independent thinker, the the people who might homeschool. So I'm wondering what that admission process looks like, but that's great that there's programs to help that transition, dot the I's, cross the T's, all that. Um, a, a little bit more about the, the public schools, because um, some people, if you're not in California, um, you might not even be aware because we, we had our kids home for a year. Most places, it was like two weeks, a month, whatever. You might not even be aware of how bad the public schools are. So let's talk about some more of the problems in the public schools. Like, for example, I have a family member, um, 11 year old girl, when she goes to the bathroom and this is, this is in a rural town. When she goes to the bathroom, she now looks under the stalls to see which way the feet are pointing. And if they're pointing towards the toilet, she leaves, she's uncomfortable. Like no child should have to live like that. Like I'm all for trans rights. Um, I I'm fine with it. Every, I, believe in liberty, people should be able to do what they want. But a child should not fear going to the bathroom in a school. Um, In your experience, is this story I'm sharing, is this like uh, just anecdotal or is this a big problem? I think more and more it's becoming an issue and it's being, it's being driven like there's an agenda, right? So I'm with you, like adults, people want to do gender expression, trans this or that or whatever. By all means, they have every right how, and they could choose how they show up in the world, I guess. But there's a certain age where it's, I believe it's highly inappropriate. And I think that's what a lot of people are really upset about now. So there's stuff about what gender someone can choose. And there's children that are impressionable when they're young. Mm -hmm. And if they look up to their teacher as an authority figure, and now all of a sudden the teacher is letting them know that a child can choose their gender expression or a whole range of of different genders. um, I think it could be really confusing. And then if you have other kids that are buying into it or whatever, it can just create confusion when at the end of the day, 
and I personally think there's a biological male and biological female. And then if people want to, as they get older or whatever, want to show up differently in the world, then that's by all means go right ahead. But there's definitely something being impressed upon the kids at a young age, not in every school, but there are actual curriculums and like nonprofits that consult the school district and input their curriculum. And then maybe it's just this one-off kind of thing, but then you get a teacher that's like an activist teacher left woke whatever and they are really driving it up and drumming it up and it's almost like they feel like they're doing god's work or they're doing some something special to help these children and i think it could really lead to a lot of problems and on top of that not just the gender thing there's all sorts of uh sexuality that's being taught and it's not just you know male female reproductive organs make sure that there isn't anything inappropriate understand it so something bad doesn't happen but it's like Kids are being taught about masturbation and all sorts of stuff, which I don't think is very age appropriate. And if something well, the, like that is to be taught, maybe let the parents be the ones yes. to teach the children. Yes, it, uh, it doesn't belong in the schools, whether it's age appropriate or not. It doesn't belong in the schools. Um, it's not a it has no relevance to a future career you might take. Um, sure. Yeah. Like these people, they, there's no doubt these kids are being indoctrinated with this stuff. And I used to feel like the teachers and whatnot and this message of inclusivity was people with good intentions. Like they were just trying to accept everybody for who they are. I don't feel that way anymore. It feels very dark. Something very nefarious is going on. There's, there's probably still like on the local level, uh, like the teachers, they're, they're probably, they probably have good intentions, but there's a larger thing working in society and it's not good. And what, what we do know scientifically is that most of these kids who say they are trans at a young age before puberty eventually grow out of it and just become gay. And it feels like we're pushing gay kids into changing their gender. And we used to guide kids. We used to, you know, we used to teach them. Now we're letting them call the shots and like giving into their every whim. Like I've said it a million times, my five-year-old used to identify as Spider-Man Keller. He would go to school and he would say, I'm Spider-Man Keller. This, this lasted until he was about six years old. They would <laughs> sing him happy birthday at school. They would sing happy birthday, Spider-Man Keller. He was convinced he was Spider-Man, thought he could climb walls. We didn't indulge that. We, 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 you know, we, we played along with it, but we knew he wasn't Spider-Man. We knew he would eventually grow out of it. We didn't try to have webs implanted into his arms or whatever. You know what I mean? It's we're, we're letting kids drive the decisions we make. And now they're indoctrinating them so much. Again, we're in California. My kid's in middle school. He told me he has, he has a young little girlfriend. Um, she identifies as, as bi. He told me that every girl at his school that he knows, except five girls identifies as trans, gay, or bi. That's impossible. That's not normal. And I know it's not normal because there's not the same thing happening with the young boys. The young boys are still young boys. What, what it is, is that it's cool for these young girls to be bi or trans or whatever. You know, they're a bunch of little 11, 12 year old virgins. They're not sexual creatures. They're just trying to be cool. And if you indulge that, that's, that's going to cause some problems down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, I think it's rewarded, too, by some of these teachers that are way into that whole universe. Uh, and there's normal sexual exploration and curiosity that happens amongst children naturally, right? And then there's something that's way ramped up and, and perverted and 
and uh, it could become trendy even, and then people like virtue signal and feel good about it. So it's definitely a culture and it's not everywhere, right? But I would argue that it's probably prevalent in most of the larger cities and most of the more liberal areas. So it's definitely something to watch out for. And for parents, and there's, I draw a distinction too, because there's some parents whose kiddos are in government school and the parents are very active and involved in their lives and they can counter that type of stuff and they instill good values in the kids and they have the kids question things, right? Then there's some parents that are completely absent and basically handing over their kiddos to be raised by strangers and raised by government schools and and who knows what the teachers, they have their own agenda. So I would encourage folks, even if kiddos are still going to be in government school or parents are still going to have that for their family. Just make sure that you're very involved in your child and you're asking questions and you're showing up to the PTA meetings and you're helping the child develop critical thinking so they can think for themselves and kind of understand if some of this stuff is BS or too out there for them. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Here's an, here's another problem I think we're having in the public schools that I think should drive people to homeschooling, should drive them to, to your program. Because again, I, I think so many parents want to do this. They just don't know how. But you have 35 kids in a class. Kids get bored. They're, they're forced to sit there all day. In our schools, they're still forced to wear masks. They can't see each other smile. The, they, they, they're not, they're, made to be afraid to like touch each other. That's not healthy. It's creating an unhealthy society. You know, when I, when I was in school in second grade, I remember a teacher tied me to my chair with a jump rope and put duct tape on my mouth because I was asking too many questions right now today. That would no doubt be abuse. I don't see how the masking is much different than that, but, but they don't look at it like abuse we, there's little proof. These masks work. There's little proof that COVID is even a danger to a healthy child, yet they force them to do this anyway. We have kids. Uh, I, I asked you about socialization earlier. These kids aren't socializing at school. And when they get a hyperactive kid, instead of working with that kid and trying to figure out a better way to educate him, what they do is dope him up with Adderall, which is essentially speed. Um, and, and parents are all too easy to just accept that because it's coming from an authority figure at the school. And then the doctor confirms that it's dangerous. It's da- and, and if you look at these school shootings that's been happening, almost all these kids are on one of these drugs, almost all these shooters. Um, it's, it's not building a healthy society. And if you are being told that your kid needs Ritalin, maybe check out your program instead and see what your other options are. Maybe that kid is just a smart kid who needs to be taught in a more active way. Are you teaching parents, like you're teaching them how to get them into homeschool. Do you teach them how to teach? Uh-huh. Yeah. And the work. So we're doing the summit that's on the 14th. And for folks that register for the summit, we'll inform them about the workshop opportunity, but we're going to lay out all sorts of different teaching modalities. And again, it's going to be, it's going to come from a place of what is your life like? What is your style? What's your personality? Do both parents work? Is it one parent? Are both parents going to be involved? And then we're going to help provide uh, insights and strategies for them to implement in their own kind of custom way. We're going to provide some um, advice on different curriculums and different paths, but really we want to empower. It's really going to be an empowerment, empowerment workshop, really to empower the parents to feel that they're equipped with the information and the knowledge necessary to take it and run with it. But I appreciate what you said, because there's a, there's an effort to 
to create conformity and to mold the children to fit inside of a box. But some kids just don't fit in that box. And that's where a lot of the tension and struggle comes. That was the struggle with me. I got in trouble all throughout middle school, elementary, high school. And uh, I wasn't taped to a chair or had my mouth taped shut, but I'm sure my, my teachers most certainly did. They would just send me out or suspend me or send me to in-school suspension. Then I would get kicked out of in-school suspension. They'd be like, you've got to go home for two weeks. We can't even keep you in the suspension space. <laughs> but uh, that's the cool thing about homeschool because, yeah, a lot of kids, they think outside the box. Their, their, their neurons are just firing real fast. It's hard for them to concentrate. It's hard for them to stay seated in certain areas. And it's not natural for them. I don't think it's really natural for anybody. And so the cool thing about homeschooling or choosing a private school that's in alignment with your values and alignment with your kids' needs, or even unschooling, which again is like child-led, life-led learning, is that you can create an education based on your child's personality, your child's uh, physiology, your child's um, mental state, where they are socially, emotionally, right? And so it's more of a custom, not a one size fits all. And I think that's really one of the biggest benefits of all because everybody's different. And the last thing we want is to try to force kids that just aren't um, in alignment with what government schools have to offer to try to force it. And yeah, and then the drugging is definitely a big, big problem. And you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these kids, almost every single one of these kids that gets involved in one of these school shootings, they're bullied and they're taking serotonin reuptake inhibitors and psych meds and it just pushes them over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. hundred percent. Um, creating your own cur- curriculum. You said like that, that sounds exciting to me. Like I love, I love teaching my kids. I, I feel like I teach them more over the dinner table than they learn in schools, quite honestly. So the idea of creating a curriculum sounds exciting, but I would imagine that would intimidate many parents. Uh, the idea I got to create a curriculum specific to my child. That's also going to meet the standards of the state so they can get into college. Um, are there a lot of resources out there that can give them guidance on how to do this or even provide a curriculum that might suit them? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's all sorts of different curriculums that are already pre-made, and it makes it easier for the parent that doesn't want to create something or lead it entirely. So uh, one thing that we used when my kiddos were a bit younger was this Christopherus Waldorf homeschool curriculum. So it's built around the Waldorf model, which I'm a big fan of Rudolf Steiner and his work. And it had a lot to do with nature and a lot of playing and a lot of creativity and building and creating things, right? Uh, Ron Paul has a homeschool curriculum. It's more, a little bit more conservative. There's a lot of stuff about constitution and liberty and the founding fathers and economics. So depending on what the kids and the parents' principles, interests, what it is that they want to teach. And I really encourage parents to really, it's it's a balance, right? So as parents, we want to lead, we want to instill values in our kids, but we also don't want to mold the kid to be just what we want to do, right? The government wants to mold kids to be good citizens and good workers. Parents want to mold the kids too, but I would encourage parents to let the kids fully develop as their own unique identity, right? Um, But there's different curriculums that may meet the principles, the ethics of a family, Christian, non-Christian, spiritual, non, you know, there's lots of artsy and creative families out there. So I'd encourage them to pick one based on their own family's ethos. And then one that definitely vibes with the kids. Cause the last thing a homeschooling parent wants to get involved in is a power struggle with their kiddo. Any parent, the power struggles suck. I try to avoid them at all costs, 
but it's a balance, right? You don't want to let the kids just run roughshod. And at the same time, you don't want to be authoritarian. There's this nice little middle space there uh, where you can be a leader and a good steward and really lead by example. But we are going to go over some of the different examples of curriculums. And my co-teacher, who's going to lead the workshop primarily, we're both going to host the summit, but she's going to be leading the workshop. She's homeschooled four kids. She's been uh, trained in government education as well. She worked in public schools for a while and it was not her jam. So she pulled out of that stuff, but um, she's actually preparing a homeschool uh, resource center at the space that she's hosting. There's going to be farmer's markets, co-working, there's a retail space there, but there's going to be a homeschool resource center. So she's going to have tons of options for families that are participating. Okay. Yeah. Great. You made in all of that, you made me think of a couple more problems that might come about in homeschool that may be good to address. You talk about a lot of parents uh, will want, you know, the schools mold the kids to be what they want them to be, which is good little soldiers. Um, in homeschool, most parents, I think, would end up kind of wanting to mold the kids to be like them. That, uh, that's not how I think it should be done. That's not what I think is right. That's the opposite of why you want to pull them out. You want You want to lead your kids into finding their strengths and finding their own paths. But I could see a problem where a lot of parents would just be trying to shape them into being who they are. Um, the other thing you just mentioned is butting heads with the kids, right? Now, when you have teenagers, uh, we're already starting to see it a little bit with our, our oldest, not quite a teen. Daughters and mothers start butting heads real bad. It can get ugly. Same with fathers and sons. It just, it just happens. It's a tale as old as time. Is any of that a product of what they're picking up in school? So maybe homeschooling can alleviate that some, or is that just the nature of mankind? And if so, how do you, how do you handle that? Because, you know, teenagers don't want to hear shit from their parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the relationship between the parent and the child. And there is just a natural phenomenon where the kids rebel at a certain age. My daughter's 10 years old and man, she's, she's hell right now. Uh, and my son was just the one that was more hell just a couple of years ago, but now he's super chill and super friendly and like all into dad. So, um, I think it just has a lot to do with giving the kids more freedom, right? The, well, this isn't exactly the case for me and my kids, but, uh, in many instances, the more freedom you give the kiddos, the less desire they have to rebel. Uh, and then you contrast that if you're very controlling and very authoritarian in the parenting style, then sure, you may be able to get compliance out of the kids when they're smaller and younger. But once they're teenagers, once they're able to go out on their own or God forbid, they go to, co you know, if you control them the whole time they're in your household, then they go off to college or whatever. Mm -hmm. I guarantee they're going to be mm -hmm. the ones partying the hardest. So yep. I think it's about finding balance. And then, you know, I struggled to be the one to do a lot of the homeschooling with the kiddos as far as sitting down academics. Let's write this. Let's read that. Let's work in this workbook. It was a struggle, especially with my son. He really pushed back and bucked against me. So they definitely do better in their homeschool co-op. They do a two-day homeschool co-op and there's teachers and other parents that contribute there and they're really thriving there. That being said, like you said earlier, I think I teach my kids best when we're out in the real world. So for example, we go to these Liberty conferences and these self-reliance festivals and stuff. And my kids do a booth and they have a little business that they both run. My, do my daughter sells 
gems wow. and stones and bracelets. And my son sells succulents and he's going to be selling seed starters. And so they'll sit down at the booth. I'm out speaking at an event or filming an event or whatever, doing my thing. And they're just hustling and selling hundreds of dollars worth of their stuff. And they're Amazing. learning now that's math a, skills. That's actual real education right there. Like a real, that's right. life, real world applicable application education. Yeah. yeah. And they're not going to learn that in school. I mean, they'll nope. learn the math and they'll they learn don't, about no, rewind on that. They're not going to learn that in school. They don't even learn about money or economics yeah, finances. at all in school. Like I was an idiot about money until I took the time in my thirties after mm-hmm. getting up to here in debt to, to learn and understand what money is. And I've taught my kids that, but all, none of their friends even understand what money is. Nobody understands the problem with the fed creating money. Our adult friends don't even really understand why we're having this massive inflation because they don't understand money. And I mean, if you're going to teach kids and you want a healthy society, that's one of the first things you would teach them. They don't because they don't want that because they want debt slaves. Yeah, I remember it was either senior or junior year. I took an economics class and they taught us about the Fed, but they didn't teach us about money printing and that the Fed creates inflation and all those, all the funny business because it's the government that's teaching the kids. So they're not going to reveal one of their dirtiest tricks to a Mm -hmm. whole generation of youth, right? So, uh, yeah, you know, I was really excited to see how well the kids did and how outgoing they were. And it wasn't just like somebody walk, would walk up to buy something and they exchange money and that's that. I would teach them to sell people on stuff and to try to push for a sale and to ask closing questions. Like my son's like, okay, I'm glad that you like it. So would you like to pay with cash or with card, you know, to kind of get mm-hmm. those things going to actually close the deal. So there's all sorts of skills outside of just the academics that homeschooling creates an opportunity to teach your kiddos. And I think some of the most valuable lessons are learned when you're doing real world activities, experiences, the greatest teacher. And oftentimes if they're gone all day, they come home, they want to play with their friends or they're exhausted from a long day of school. There's not a lot of opportunity to do that. Yeah. I would, I would feel comfortable with uh, my kids being taught by a guy like you, like learning those kind of lessons. That's valuable. 50% 50% of what they, more than 50% of what they learn in school is absolutely, utterly useless waste of time. Um, school could be three hours a day and be better than what they're doing in eight hours a day easily. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So when we talk about homeschooled kids, let's say it goes from 5 million kids a year and it goes off the charts and it's all the kids, it's 50 million kids, right? It's all the kids are being educated this way. That thought, I think, of course, it terrifies government. Um, it terrifies the establishment, but I think it probably terrifies quite a lot of the, the adult population as well. What does a future America look like? Let's say if this entire generation became homeschooled, what, what does America look like in the future? Well, I think there'd be more entrepreneurship. I think that there would be more, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think it would really shake things up because the children, how the current children our raised really influences all sorts of different aspects of society and culture. And so I think that there would be more critical thinking. This assumes, of course, because again, you can have, you can pull your kid out of government school and then you could still homeschool in an authoritarian way or mm-hmm. in a way that's indoctrinating the kids essentially. Right. But I think that it would greatly benefit society in my opinion, and there would be more uniqueness. There'd be more diversity. Mm -hmm. in different sectors, right? And you got to understand too, 
there's this whole great reset thing taking place, right? With Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, and they're trying to implement this fourth industrial revolution and really grow new industries like robots, not, not entirely new, but they're trying to empower these industries, robotics, mm-hmm. um, automation, AI, all sorts of weird surveillance stuff as well. And so what these government schools are doing and what these big tax exempt foundations and nonprofits are, they're subsidizing a workforce to try to fill this new fourth industrial revolution. So if we could push back on that by teaching our kids, I would argue the valuable things that the kids need to go into nowadays are having to do with self-reliance, entrepreneurship, food production, Mm. especially understanding how to grow our own food. I mean, this is something that I've been banging on for 15, 20 years. And now it's like, okay, this is really important. There's food shortages. Um, So it just all depends on who it is that's teaching these kids. But if it's, you know, people in the freedom community, people that follow Ron Paul, then I would be optimistic about the effect that it would have. But, you know, to be honest, I'm, um, this is something that I was conscious of for a while, but after COVID, it really became more clear. It's almost as though there's two different societies forming. There's the, there's the masses. They just go along to get along. There's still people wearing masks, even though this whole COVID thing is almost completely passed. And then they'll see on the media, there's a flare up or whatever variation of this two variations combined, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's people that believe that can't even define what a woman is. Right. Um, and then there's folks that are critically thinking that think for themselves that see that there's a problem. And I'm seeing more and more of these groups are diverging and kind of splitting. And so I think there's always going to be a group that goes along to get along. That's kind of under a spell, Yeah. but I'm grateful that there's more and more and more people that are joining the ranks of the, uh, critically thinking free spirited people that want to carve their own path. Yeah. The really amazing thing, what you just said is true, but the really amazing thing is the go along, get along crowd somehow believes that they are the intelligent people of science rather than the critical thinkers on the other side who ask questions. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. And, and we had uh, Dr. Matthias Desmond on here. He's kind of the author of that idea of mass formation. Um, that's what that is. You got half the population believing uh, we're the party of science. We're the people of science who ignore the science. It's, it's amazing. Now, you also mentioned uh, growing food. You teach your kids that so valuable, like the economy, something else we didn't learn in school at all. When the, when the um, pandemic hit and they shut everything down, alarm bells in my head. I'm like, holy shit. We could very, we're in Los Angeles. We could quickly starve to death. We're going to start growing food. We went out, we bought a bunch of seeds. We planted everything. Everything died because we don't know how the hell to grow. It's hard. Yeah. We've since been reading and learning and now we're having some success with it. That's absolutely a critical thing that every person in America should know how to do, know how to put something in the ground and get back food. Now, another concern. Okay. We've been thinking a lot about homeschool. Our main concern is the finances, number one. And number two, if, if, if we don't have the finances, we got to find other people to do it with us so we can have a co-op type thing. And there's just not many people around here interested in that. One thing that would force us to take action is if California mandates the uh, injection. I can't say the other word because then I can't put this on YouTube. But if they mandate that, that's it. We pull the plug, we'll do it. We'll do whatever we have to. We might move if we have to, but we will get it done. My question is, if states start doing that, do you have any concern that they will mandate it to kids, even in homeschool? Is that a possibility? Well, 
you know, I've been doing activism for like 20 years now. And there was a period where I thought that the 10th Amendment, which is basically like states' rights, right? Different states can choose different laws. We used to think it was a joke. But then after COVID, we started to see like, wow, it really makes a world of difference if you live in Texas or Florida compared to New York or California. So I don't think that there is a political will for mass uh, forced vaccines in the U.S. And as a whole. I do think that it could be a reality in a place like California. Definitely not in a place like Texas. Most definitely not a place like Florida. That's where I am right now. We're going to a business conference tomorrow. Um, so I think it really has a lot to do with where it is that you that you reside geographically. And California is a beautiful place. There's a lot of financial opportunity, but there's also a very, very, very communist government and the people there just don't seem to get it. Um, but there's lots of great people like yourself and freedom-minded people there as well. So it's just like, you gotta, I would encourage your listeners to predetermine where you draw the line. And then don't, you don't, I wouldn't wait till that line gets crossed. If you can see the writing on the wall and it seems like the pieces are getting put in place in order for that line to eventually show up, then you might want to preemptively have a plan or preemptively execute upon that plan. Because like I said, it does make a world of difference where you live and then everything has overlap, right? So I know California's the cost of living there is quite expensive. Transitioning to another space may not only avoid the calamity of having to you know leave immediately or whatever if they force vaccines but it could also free up some extra dollars or some monetary power in order to shift into this or that to do the homeschooling thing um a lot you know i'm a big proponent of entrepreneurship too and so it's hard and there's a lot of ups and downs and you end up working more hours almost it seems but you get to create it so oftentimes people will build their life around their jobs or their career. But with entrepreneurship, you can build a career around your job. And so if homeschooling is one of those big rocks that you want to put in place first, you build things around that. You build your schedule around that. You work with the husband and wife or the parents in a certain strategic way so as to enable that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a difficult transition, but it can be done. And like I said before, sometimes you just got to get creative. Yep. Yep. You're right. Moving. I mean, we love California. It's beautiful. It, it's it's a, the most beautiful place in the States, if you ask me, but yeah. it's getting tough out here and, and you got to do what's right by the kids. And we, we could do it in a heartbeat if we just, if we just move. So let me ask you this. Another thing that there's been a lot of concern with recently, um, a lot of school shootings, like we mentioned earlier, how many of these school shootings are happening in homeschool? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any really. Right. I've never heard of a private school shooting either. Um, wow, interesting. I, interesting. Yeah, because there's tons of private schools and charter yeah. schools and stuff out there now. I think there's just this tendency in the government schools where you just have so many kids. And there's just a lot of kids that are just mean to one another. Whereas if you're in a homeschool co-op or a private school, that's more, you know, like a lot of people do the granola kind of private school or spiritual private school, there's more of a commonality in where the kids are coming from. But if all the kids are put into this one box and there's some kids that are different and some families that are different, or maybe there's even some families that are in poverty. So the kids wearing clothes with holes in it or whatever, then you got the wealthy kids, they're going to make fun of that guy and blah, blah, blah. And so I think it just tries to force a one size fits all and it leads to more trouble and more bullying not to mention, maybe a lot of the kids are miserable. 
and they don't really have an outlet. They're not fulfilled. They don't have a sense of purpose. And so when they don't have anything to do or they don't feel fulfilled, they turn to bullying to try to fill a void or something. I don't know, but the school shooting stuff's crazy, man. I can't imagine being a kid now just being anxious, being at school, what kind of yep. learning environment is that? Yep. That's really interesting what you pointed out about private schools. I, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, there haven't been any at private schools as far as I know. And that just shows you that government schools are creating violent, mentally ill children. Get your kids out of them. Um, all right. Not related to to homeschooling, but something else you mentioned in, in your email is um, peaceful parenting. So I don't know exactly what that means. Um, I believe parents shouldn't be hitting their kids. Like, you know, like if my wife does something bad that she knows wrong, like let's say she, she cheats on me, she comes home, I find out and I hit her to punish her, I'm going to jail. It's like the only people in society we are allowed to hit our kids. Now, I know a lot of people who watch this show, even though I, I don't identify as a conservative, this it attracts a large contingency of conservatives. And I think most conservatives are on team spank your kids. Does peaceful parenting mean, what does it mean? Uh, I mean, in large part, it just means being peaceful with the children, especially when it comes to encouraging them to change their behavior. So it definitely a key tenant is not spanking, striking, or using any form of violence or coercion against the kid. Like as a libertarian, we reject coercion at the hands of the government. Uh, and co when I say coercion, I mean forcing someone to do something with the threat of harm or violence, right? And I've gotten into debates and stuff about spanking when and it is a violent act. Yes, it's, no doubt. it's violence. And then people try to say, no, it's not violent. You're just, you're just patting them or swatting them or whatever. And it's like, mm. okay, well, if it's not if the purpose isn't for there to be pain, then what's the point in the right. first place, right? Like rubbing their back or patting them on the back. No, they're trying to hit them, to hurt them, to, to change behavior. Them, but, so yeah, to change behavior, but there's better ways to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. And if it wasn't violence, then every, every time you did it, you wouldn't feel bad about it. If it wasn't violence, like you feel bad after you do that. So why do you feel bad? Well, because you perpetrated some violence on your child. Yep. And, you know, I was, try to point out like when you spank a child you're teaching them that violence is an acceptable means of getting someone to change their behavior and for libertarians it's the last thing we want to do because we're trying to teach our kids to reject that type of coercion from law enforcement or from the government so then why would we teach them it's okay with us you know and, and i would argue that parents that have to spank aren't in control of the situation and oftentimes parents spank and when they lose their temper too. Yep. And it's like, it's That's like a violent happens. kind of scary kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there can be controlled. Like I, I got spanked and there, most of the time it was like sit on the dad's lap. Cause I got in trouble at school and here comes a few belt swats that very rarely, but it was most definitely a lot worse whenever it was a fit of anger and that's what was driving it. Right. So mm -hmm. it's just not the best way we need to encourage. Uh, we need as parents to, uh, to persuade and to teach children the natural consequences. Sometimes you have to let them just experience the consequences, right? Obviously, you don't want our kids to get in harm's way or run in the street or whatever, but sometimes if they're doing something that's not safe, if you just let it play out, the kid is going to learn the natural consequence of their actions, and then they're definitely not going to do it again. So it also damages the relationship. It damages trust. The kids need to trust that as their parents, part of our role is to keep them safe. 
But if we're the ones that are striking fear into their hearts or hurting them, then it's going to create some confusion in their minds. So I've always said that peaceful parents use curiosity and communication instead of coercion and condemnation. Yep. Um, Yeah, I agree 100%. I I spanked my kids one time when when they were young and I felt horrible about it. And I vowed I would never do that again. I haven't. And I think most parents justify spanking by two means. Number one, well, I was spanked because, you know, that was the totally normal way to parent 20, 30 years ago. Just there's a lot of things our parents didn't do right. They loved us, but didn't didn't know any better. Um, Just because you were spanked does not mean you need to spank. Um, And the other thing is, well, you need to teach them consequences. And that is true. They need to learn about consequences, but spanking is not the best way to do that. And like you, like you said, you know, you can tell a kid something a hundred times. Yeah. Those of us who have kids, we, we know a lot of times it's in one year out the other. They most learn from consequences. They pick up from their actions, not consequences because I'm going to be in trouble with mom and dad. And what that also leads to then is a lack of trust and, and the idea that they're going to rebel in their teen years. Like I, I kind of know all this from personal experience as well. So, mm-hmm. um, th- like I said, I think a lot of conservatives watch this show because the libertarian ideas start to f- fall more in line with conservative ideals these days, as opposed to like five years ago, I think we fell more in line with liberal ideas. And I think a lot of conservatives are pro spanking. And I think that's, that would just be something to like really logically think through and challenge yourself on. Um, all right. So we're, we're running out of time again, guys, I'm going to have the link in the show notes. I'm going to take this workshop. I encourage all of you to take the workshop. Even if you don't think you're, you're at all interested in homeschooling, I know you're thinking government schools suck it. If you think government schools suck it, and I know you do take the workshop, check it out. You're going to learn something at the very least. Is there anything else you can tell us about the workshop about homeschooling problems with government schools that, that we've left out that we should know. Uh, you know, I don't think anything is going to get better when it comes to government schools. I think the trend is towards deterioration and it's just getting weirder and weirder and weirder, all this woke, weird left culture stuff. And the fact that there's a desire to impart this, this information on children, I think it should be very alarming. So I want to encourage parents, too, that are feeling maybe disempowered or afraid or anxious about the idea. You can always try it for a semester and or two semesters. Sometimes it takes a little while to find your groove, right? That first semester is probably going to be a little rocky. But um, you can always go back to government school if it doesn't work out. But it doesn't hurt to try. And if it's something that's really important to you, if you do recognize that the government schools are not serving your children, if you're concerned about the violence, school shooting, bullying, woke agenda, not getting the skills and knowledge needed for success in this new economy, uh, then I strongly encourage folks to believe in themselves, believe that they ha- have the ability to get it done, come up with a plan and a strategy to make it happen, and then reach out for help. So we're building a whole community for the folks that do the paid workshop with us. There's um, a whole community that you'll be invited to join. There's going to be a ton of people. There's already thousands of people that are registered for the free summit. That's on the 14th. So whenever we do our workshops and our events uh, with my business, Lip Free Academy, 
that's what's hosting the workshop. We always have a community component. So it's not just one event and then goodbye, we'll talk to you later. It's uh, building a solid community of support because it does take a village. And there's a lot of parents that have done it. There's parents that have done it successfully. There's parents that can tell you what not to do, like myself. Uh, and uh, together, I think we're, we're definitely a lot stronger. And I think it's a really valuable gift that we can give our kids to, to homeschool them. Awesome. Awesome. One thing to piggyback that. Uh, if your concern is finances, as are ours here in California, one thing you can push for at home in local politics or state politics is school choice. They just passed it in Arizona. We pushed for it here in California. We lost. School choice means you get back the tax dollars that would go to your public school for your kid to do with as you choose to educate your, your children. So if your state, like Arizona is now doing, if your state does school choice, that solves 100% your uh, economic concerns about homeschooling. John, thank you again so much for joining us. Everyone, please check the show notes for the link. Sign up. You won't regret it. I'll be there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, man.